Good afternoon and welcome to My Legacy Experience podcast. My Legacy Experience is committed to bringing information about all things estate planning to underserved and marginalized and disenfranchised communities. The Legacy Experience provides resources and information on a host of estate planning uh, vehicles, including working with our partners and allied professionals that assist with retirement planning, wealth preservation, transferring wealth at death, and assisting with charitable giving goals. Today, we are going to discuss methods of achieving your charitable giving goals during your lifetime and beyond. I'm delighted to have Corey Ziegler, Vice President and Corporate Counsel for the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation as my guest today. Corey and I are members of Kansas City's Estate Planning Society, and we served on the panel together in 2019 discussing practice management. Corey manages the legal duties and responsibilities of the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation, including facilitating complex development and business transactions. Corey has been with GKCCF, and I'm going to say that slowly, GKCCF, (laughs) since 2005. Prior to joining the organization, she was an estate planning attorney with Blackwell Sanders Peeper Martin LLP, which is now Hush Blackwell. Corey, welcome to my Legacy Experience podcast. <laughs> Donna. It's my pleasure. Corey, I'd like to begin our conversation by asking you about the work that's done at the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation. When you look at the website, you see the purpose and you see the description of the organization. And there's a very formal, uh, probably legally reviewed uh, statement. <laughs> The Greater Kansas City Community Foundation works with individuals and families to maximize and organize their charitable giving. The Greater Kansas City Community Foundation is a public charity that works with donors to select the best charitable tool to support charitable giving goals. Why would an individual use a public fund to facilitate their charitable giving goals? Let's start there. You know, we get that question a lot because, you know, so many people will just write a check to the church or their alma mater or other organizations that they support and don't really think twice about how they're giving. But we have a lot of donors who oftentimes are referred by a professional advisor like yourself, um, their attorneys, their financial advisors, their accountants that will suggest to them they might want to think about ways to give in a bit more strategic way to maximize tax benefits, but also just to maybe become even just more organized in their giving. People that come to us for a few different reasons, sometimes they are wanting to have some assistance in finding charities that fit their interest area, and they might want to set up a fund with us to take advantage of our services and helping them get connected to charities. They um, might have a tax benefit that they're looking for in the sense that they might have a taxable event in a year that they need to generate a charitable tax deduction that year to help with their individual income tax situation, but they may not know which charities they want to give to yet. So uh, opening a fund at the Community Foundation to receive that gift, but then granting to charities later is a common theme we hear a lot as well. But honestly, one of the number one reasons that we have donors setting up funds with us is for legacy. And so it's kind of perfect. It fits right into your podcast, but they are looking for ways to get their kids involved in giving or, you know, leaving some sort of legacy beyond their death through charitable giving. And that's where we can be helpful. So lots of different reasons we work with folks and we are a bit under the radar. Not everybody knows about who we are. So I appreciate this opportunity to share a little bit more. 
Absolutely. I want to talk about the team of professionals that you work with or someone would work with if they decide to create or participate in a public fund at the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation. Tell me about that team. And, sure. And, yes, and their expertise. We, gosh, we have, now we've grown a lot. I've been there 15 years and started maybe with about 40 to 50 people when I was there starting, and now we're up to over 80 people on staff. We have a broad different groups of advisors on staff that can help our donors. We have philanthropic advisors who are able to research charities, help you get, engage your children and grandchildren in giving. They might oversee a grant competition that you might have for a fund you establish where you want charities to apply to your fund for grants. So we've got the philanthropic advising team that, that oversees that. We have a corporate services team that works a lot with companies who are setting up funds. So it's not just individuals that work with us, it's also companies as well. And there's a whole suite of services that they can help with, such as matching gifts, um, employee assistance through scholarships and, and all sorts of things that we can do for companies and their employees and their vendors and everybody that they might be working with. A lot of times companies will encourage donations into their fund to support the causes that further the kind of the mission of the company in a charitable way, which is neat. So lots of ways that we see companies engaged. Obviously, if you have a fund with us, you work with our donor services team. And so we have a, a core group that answers our phone 20, well, not 24-7. <laughs> they answer during the workday here, but they are available and really so friendly and helpful to everybody that they work with. So the folks that have funds can, you know, then tap into them when they have just general questions about how to use their fund. Where I get mostly involved is on the complex asset team. And that's really where we have donors that are contributing assets other than your easy stuff besides cash, marketable securities. They're maybe giving real estate or private business interests. I was not here at the time, but the Community Foundation accepted the Kansas City Royals when Ewing Kaufman died. And so we've got a complex asset team that is not scared of many things at all. So we're happy to talk with folks if they have unique assets they want to give. And then finally, our investment team obviously then oversees the money when it's in the Community Foundation in separate funds that donors establish. They can have that money invested and hopefully grow. We see a lot of people who can put a certain amount into a fund. And then they actually grant more out of the fund because of the investment growth. So you'll engage with a lot of different people on staff, but you can always get a live person when you're calling or emailing. So it's we try to be really, really focused on customer service and really helping our donors achieve what they want to achieve. So I'm going to give a shameless <laughs> plug. I've worked with the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation for about two years now, and they just give stellar service. Um, it's, oh, it's good really to hear. feel like they want the donor to understand the process. They're very supportive. And I think it's something that as an audience, I would like you all to really consider when you're thinking about charitable goals, using an organization with that type of expertise to guide you through that process. So shameless plug. Good to hear. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about that. So a majority of the audience are members that give to charity on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So they give to their local faith communities. They give to local organizations. 
We've seen increased donations to harvesters, Operation Breakthrough during the pandemic. And then they give to national organizations like Salvation Army or the Red Cross. Um, They write a check and they send these funds directly to the organization. Mm -hmm. So the concept of giving is very familiar, but the terminology may not be. And I think that's where people get stuck and may uh, feel a little bit intimidated because they're not comfortable Mm -hmm. with the language that's used. So let's break down some of the definitions uh, associated with your work. So what is the difference between a community foundation and a private foundation? That's a great question. So community foundation is a public charity that is funded by many different donors, um, usually not related. They're all donors from across the community, across the nation. And a community foundation is, in our case, focused on assisting donors with their charitable giving and facilitating that giving. We kind of touched on that a little bit already. But other community foundations might be more focused on raising dollars just for their community and their board is then deciding how the money is used in the community. Both models work fine and, and work well. They're not, uh, there's not a right or wrong answer to the different types of community foundations, but there's over 700 of us in the country, so you might find different versions of community foundations wherever you might look, but they are really designed to pull together donors, support charitable causes, and in our case, really assisting each donor with their own charitable giving. Private foundation, on the other hand, is typically just funded by an individual or their family, and they are just creating their own entity that's going to be used for charitable giving. Maybe some of the same reasons that a a donor might work with us, but they are doing it on their own. And so there are some differences between the two that I'm sure we'll be touching on, but it's really just a different way to give, but more formal than just doing giving on your own. But it is a nice opportunity for families that want to maybe pull together different family members into kind of joint giving and really working together as a family to decide where to to give out their money. Very good. And I think that distinction is important because if you don't have maybe what you would consider a large amount of capital to Mm -hmm. donate, you can pull that money in a community foundation, it sounds like. Is that correct? Yes. So, yes, I mean, we have funds, just by example, um, our community foundation, we do not have a minimum to set up a fund. So anybody can set up a donor advised fund with us. And that's kind of the main type of fund that we offer. Um, The private foundations, typically when you're setting up a private foundation, because it is more complicated, you're going through the process of creating usually a nonprofit corporation or, or establishing a trust, and you're going to the state to be recognized. You're also going to the IRS to have your tax exempt status determined and really jumping through lots of hoops. And in that case, normally people are doing those for much larger amounts because of the ongoing administration that they require. They require tax returns and all sorts of things. So with a donor advised fund, which is really a charitable giving account at the community foundation, you can start with any amount and use it as much as you want throughout the year. And so it's really meant to be a giving vehicle for all donors, uh, not just those that feel like they've got, you know, many millions to put towards the cause. All right. And I think that that terminology, the donor advised fund, that's something we hear very often in charitable gift planning circles. And my audience may not be familiar with that terminology. So the donor advised fund is an opportunity for anyone 
anyone at any giving level to create an opportunity to leave a charitable legacy. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So if someone wants to create a donor advised fund, what are some of the steps that they have to participate in or what are some of the things that they have to consider? Sure. So we try to make this really easy. You can just go to our website, actually, www.growyourgiving.org. And you'll find a button there about opening a fund. But there's just a simple document to create the donor advised fund. The typical decisions that a donor needs to make would be to name the fund. It could be like, for instance, Ziegler Family Charitable Fund, which is what ours is called. But you could don't even have to use your name in the name of the fund. You can call it anything you like. Then you would also decide who the donor advisors would be. And when we say a donor advised fund, that really just means the donor who creates the fund um, and who the dollars in, they can then determine when they want to make grants out to charities. And that's what we call distributions or, or gifts to charities are really grants for us. And so they work with us to get that done, either through an online process or they call that donor services team or email them and let them know they want to make a grant. And then families can actually have successor advisors as well. We don't limit how long a fund can last. So you could have your children, your grandchildren, lots of people in your family involved if you wanted to, but you don't have to. If you don't have family members that you want to engage in this process, the Community Foundation can serve in that role and make sure to carry out your charitable wishes. That document is is the only document that needs to be completed to set up a fund. In there, you'll also see that there is a place to recommend the investment of the fund, which can be in, in kind of two different options. We have investment pools that we offer, which are just, you know, kind of basic index funds, not actively managed, mostly Vanguard funds in different asset classes. But the majority of our donors who have their own financial advisor are asking us to actually work with their financial advisor and open an investment account with them, which really works great because then they can maintain that relationship. That typically works for funds of 100,000 or more. It seems to be the sweet spot for those because it does take some work for the financial advisor as well to have that account. So If you um, have your own financial advisor, they can manage the dollars. But again, as Donna mentioned earlier, there's no minimum to set up a fund. So you can open a fund, put $100 in, and that can go into our pools very easily. So we want to make this super easy for people. And see, there are options. And I just really want the audience to just know, you do not have to be wealthy in order to participate in plan giving. That's a misconception. And I think if more people realize that everyone's efforts, whether they're uh, dollars that exceed $100,000 or you're giving $100, you can make a difference in your community. And there are resources and techniques available to help you through that process. So that's something I really want to stress. So we well, and I, I might jump in real quickly and just mention we see people granting all levels from their funds. So a $25 grant makes a difference to an organization, $100. I mean, it can be in the thousands or millions even, but you know, most of our donors are just kind of using this as their annual giving pot. They give to the causes they care about at all levels. It's just a nice way to see people being a little bit more thoughtful in their giving and in really enjoying the giving process. We take away the need to keep track of receipts when you're sending a donation to a charity. And so it makes it really easy. You just tell us to make the grant, we send it out for you and it's done. It's a nice way for everybody to be engaged in philanthropy, not just the select few that have more money than most of us. 
That's right. And I think what's also important to stress is that during this time of the pandemic, we've really seen an increase in need through our community, but throughout the world. And people have been able to make gifts from their funds, and it has made such a difference in the lives of so many people. So I just applaud the work that you do. Another shameless plug. I have well, and I was going to say, honestly, the generosity of Kansas City in particular, but all of our donors that we work with really showed through last year. We had a record year in terms of gifts, which, you know, if you would have asked me in March when the pandemic was starting, I would have said, absolutely not. Will we reach our goals there? And we exceeded them by far. But so much of that was, you know, people responding to COVID relief efforts and really concerned about our local organizations in particular. And so uh, hats off to the great donors here in our community. I want to just make sure that I'm clear and that our audience is clear about some terminology. Can you distinguish between the definition of what's considered a gift and what's considered a donation? Is there a difference between those two terms? That's a great question because there's kind of different ways that people describe what they're doing. And we have this phrase that, you know, the world of nice is really big and you can make gifts to people all over the place. You can give gifts to family members. You can even give give a gift to a company if you wanted to. But the world of nice is the gift area. But donations that are considered charitable donations is a much smaller subset. And that's just because of the IRS rules that look at the differences. But when someone is making a gift into their fund, they are making a donation to a public charity. So that is considered a charitable donation. And then I I mentioned earlier, we call them grants when they make grants out to to charities. But sometimes a donor will say, I want to make a gift to this organization. And and in their minds, it's the same thing. So you're right. There's a lot of ways that people look at this. Uh, One example that kind of illustrates this would be we get a lot of folks that ask, you know, my neighbor had a house fire. Can I make a donation from my fund to help them rebuild? And unfortunately, that's a situation where it's the world of nice. It's incredibly nice to want to help them. But the charitable tax laws and the IRS rules do not allow charitable donations to go to just an individual that you've selected on the street, you know, that kind of thing. So it is something we do have to educate donors about a little bit. But the nice thing is that people still make gifts, even though they're not charitable sometimes, which is what keeps our our community strong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And then to that end, I think about in 2017, we saw the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act increase the standard deduction. So for 2021, we're looking at a standard deduction of $12,500 for singles, uh, $25,100 for married filing joint. Are you seeing people take advantage of the use of donor-advised funds during this time as a way or like a technique in order to perhaps take advantage of an opportunity to give and have it and it be deductible. Right. Um, Have some tax benefit. Have some tax benefits. Yes. That was something that a lot of community foundations were and charities really were worried about beginning in 2017, because if people were giving just solely based on tax motive, they didn't have a tax motive to give anymore because if they were going to take the standard deduction because you itemize your charitable deductions. We have seen donors and a lot of charities talk about this, but the concept of bunching where let's say you might be giving $5,000 a year to charity and 
that in combined with your mortgage deduction and your state and local property taxes, let's say that that those numbers combined do not go above the standard deduction for you. Well, you're going to just take the standard deduction on your tax return. But if you would say, okay, instead of giving five this year, I'm going to give 15 and I'm going to bunch three years of my giving into one year, you could just give that 15 directly to charity and you know, that might get you above your standard deduction. So you take your itemized deductions that year, which might be more beneficial. And then that's great for the charity. But the challenge for the charity is that you might give your 15 this year, but then you're kind of, you're quiet for two years. You don't give anymore until the next, you know, go around when you can do the next donation. And so that's where a donor advice fund can be really helpful. You could do the same concept, put the $15,000 into a donor advice fund, but over the next three years, still give the the charity the same amount you've been giving them all along, the $5,000. So in year one, you grant $5,000. In year two, you grant another five. And again, in year three, and then you could add to the fund again when you're ready to bunch again. So for some people, that has been nice because in that the year that they bunch is when they actually get that larger tax deduction. And then in those subsequent years, when they're just granting from the fund, they could just take the standard deduction. That's going to continue to be something I think we see people doing both with us, but also directly with charities. Absolutely. So I think what we're hearing is that using this, these donor advised funds can assist with your overall goals, but there can also assist with any tax planning that you might want to participate in. So this has been a very informative discussion, Corey. I'm so just pleased with the work that's done with the Community Foundation and the way that donors have really kind of risen to the occasion during this very Mm -hmm. difficult time. And I think there's just about three things that I would like to leave the audience with, and I would like you to also share your thoughts. But I just want to really emphasize at your current income level, you can participate in charitable gift planning. Second, if you can begin the charitable gift planning uh, process, you can do that during your lifetime. It's not something that you have to think about or just plan for after your death. There are opportunities to begin leaving a charitable legacy during your life. And then finally, there are organizations and resources that are available to assist you with those goals, such as the Greater Community Foundation. And what are your last thoughts? Well, you know, we see such joy in, in our donors when they're giving at all levels. And so that's what makes our job so fun is that we get to help people at stage of their life where they feel like they can give back and they want to give back and they find true joy in doing that. And so I just hope that everybody listening would, you know, think about what's important to you and and what causes are important to you, what legacy you might want to leave um, beyond your lifetime even. But there's so many things you can do. And we are really here to serve donors of all levels, um, of all backgrounds, and, and really excited about the opportunity to, to assist you in your charitable giving. So I hope that I hope that this has been helpful. It has been. And I just want to emphasize the email address. If you are interested in creating a donor advice fund or getting more information about charitable giving, I want you to reach out to www. Dot grow your giving 
org, And that will be in the show notes. I just want to thank you, Corey, for uh, coming on the show. It's always a delight to uh, work with some of my allies and, and partners in estate and trust administration. And so it's just been a delight to have you on the show. It's been a delight to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart, because we're all blessed differently, but we can all be a blessing in some way. Oh, I love that. That's so true. And what you're doing is so important. So thank you, Donna. Oh, thank you, Corey. And to my guests, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another exciting podcast and episode on my legacy experience, all about charitable gift planning with Corey Ziegler, Vice President and Corporate Counsel for the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation. Thank you.